when the game changes, the rules of the game change, you have to change your your execution uh, to that game. You, 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 you have to change your own rules for the game. And so my, my changing the execution was going from official races to these um, unofficial uh, solo efforts. Michael Ortiz's goal to run 100 100-mile races in 100 weeks was going according to plan. And then came the pandemic. In part two of our conversation with the ultramarathoner, Michael explains how he was able to continue his quest, despite the obstacles thrown in his way by COVID. Episode 57 of Power Forward starts now. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. So, so you're, so you're in this thing. And obviously, I mean, you're, you know, just listening to you talk about it. I mean, obviously your personality type is such that, you know, you, you accomplish a goal and immediately your mind goes to what's next. I mean, that's, that's gotta be just something that's within you, right? That's, that's just the way that you are wired as a, as a person, right? I, I think so. I think so. It's, it's a curiosity. Um, it's curiosity to see, you know, uh, for two things. One, is this thing possible? I didn't know if it was possible. It's not very well documented to uh, efforts. Efforts like that are not very well documented. And then secondly, can I do it? Right. Is this possible? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. If it is, am I the one to do it? And so like, those are the things that I'm really curious that I'm really curious about. Um, And I think uh, it is, it is something that, that that's hardwired. Uh, I I, I think it's um, to some, to some degree um, it's hardwired. I, I, I think that if someone has the um, wants to complete, wants to set an outsized goal and complete something like this, uh, they're capable of doing something like that. I, I tell everyone that I represent nothing special. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, people joke around and say, oh my God, like superhuman, like that's, I can't, but that the truth, the, like the truth is that's, that's not true at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just someone who was very lucky right? To, to have, to have, you know, that intersection of my life in terms of um, life experience, right? The things that my brother taught me in terms of where I was in, at my, in my work life, right? Um, uh, where, where, I, where I had the freedom to go and um, travel on the weekends to do these things, um, where I had the, the, just the physical training to do. So all of those things intersected in a way that allowed for success in this project. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I think that other people can do this thing. It's something that you can plan for. It's something that you can, you can train towards. Um, you can create that goal and, and you can set out to accomplish it and you don't need to be something special to do it. There's, there's another wrinkle to the story, Michael, on you, and you know where I'm going next because you know, you're, you're doing these 100 mile races every weekend, you're traveling, you're <laughs> seeing different places and then COVID you, you are in the middle of this. I mean, so, so kind of walk us through it. Had you already set the goal to do this 100 times uh, when the pandemic hit, because you, you talk about having a goal and having to pivot. I mean, what you did, and, right. and you can explain it, what you did, um, it, it, and folks, if you think that what you've heard so far is unbelievable, you ain't, you ain't heard nothing yet, because uh, what Michael tells you about how he, how he continued uh, in the midst of the pandemic is really gonna blow your mind. So, so I'll let you pick it up from there. 
Sure. So it was, um, well, to answer your question, uh, I, I had, I gotten to the end of 2019 and that was, um, I had it in my mind. And so the, the last race of 2019 was on the last day of the year. And that was, that was a timed race. Um, and I, 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 at that time I hadn't yet announced the 100 goal. Um, I was on number, I think, believe that was, that was 50, that was 58. That was 58. Um, I think the expectation to people following, uh, the, following this project was that once I got to the end of 2019, that would be it, right? Like 20, it's, it's because when you hit the end of a calendar year, that sort of represents the end of something, right? Um, and that wasn't the case. So in the back of my mind, I thought I wanted to be this special thing, like this, like reveal at the, at the, at the stroke of midnight kind of thing. But once 2020 came, you know, like after midnight, um, I would announce that I was going for 100 100s. And that meant you know, it was a very scary thing for me. And I thought, okay, well, and I, I, and I had this schedule, like loose, I penciled, right? And I, I say penciled because it, I didn't, um, I, I've, I had done the research to figure logistically, can I do this? Um, but I hadn't set anything in stone. I hadn't registered for the races. I hadn't gotten the flight ticket, like all those things. So that, that's what I call penciled. Um, and uh, when the clock struck uh, midnight, I, I was on at for that race. I was, I believe, I was at mile seventy-five, and and then I and I I was uh, posted. I, I I had written it beforehand. <laughs> I got pl I planned all this. I knew what I was doing, and I figured, okay, mile seventy, stroke of midnight. Just go ahead. You know, wish everyone a happy new year. Oh, and by the way, this is what we're doing for twenty twenty. <laughs> and uh, and I did something that I hadn't done before. And I, I, I post the schedule, like it was a tentative schedule, but I posted it. I said, for then we're going for a hundred. This is, this is it. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I will never have this again <laughs> where things align in such a way that, that you have the flexibility to do this. I may as well go for it now. What that meant was I was committing myself to 42 more weeks of this grueling effort, 42. And I knew that, like, I, I knew it was very, and, and not only was I committing myself to it, by saying it, I was also showing the schedule. You know, I'm, I want to do for this for another 42 weeks. And by the way, this is what it's going to look like. That that's it, right? It's kind of like, and of course, it's a tentative schedule, so you can mix and match. You can swap races where maybe okay, I thought that would work, but that didn't. I need to swap this one out for this one, right? But like for the most part, it's there. I was scared. I was excited. This is the start of 2020. Um, it's all, there's uncertainty here, right? I, in all unknown territory for myself, certainly, because I had done 58 weeks of this, I, I didn't know. I mean, I was fairly confident of my execution for the next 42 and that execution was going to be a very careful one, <laughs> meaning I couldn't, I couldn't be, um, I couldn't be uh, daring. I couldn't start out races, you know, with like, oh, I'm going to PR for this. Like, no, not at all. This needs to be, <laughs> I need to regulate my effort. I need to be more intelligent about what the cutoffs are. Um, I need to be a little more humble, meaning that uh, if I feel I can run a faster pace, like a nine minute pace for 20 miles, I need to hold it back and actually run maybe an 11 minute pace. Um, and so, so all of that, uh, I, I knew that I had to, I had to regulate my effort. So, 42 weeks. I put it out there. I complete the race. Uh, that race was number 58. And then, you know, I fly home and I'm like, Oh, this is out there. <laughs> I the, like, all right, it's okay. You've been doing this for 58 weeks. Now all you need to do is execute. Like you have the game plan. Here's the game plan. You've done the work now do. Um, 
And I started doing it. And so, you know, 58, uh, 59. And so for that January of 2020, um, uh, January and February, I, you know, still flying out to races, um, still putting fairly difficult races on the calendar. Also, there's one race in, in February, uh, February of 2020 called the Orcas Island 100. It has 20,000 feet of elevation because you're um, on Mount Constitution and you're climbing up and down Mount Constitution several times during the course of this of this race uh and 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 i completed it's a very regulated effort it was very you know plan okay yeah i i knew the time constraints i knew the time cutoffs i crossed the finish line for that race with uh, uh with minutes to spare and that was a 36 hour race so I, that 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 does very well for my confidence that was number 63 uh, in the series that does very well for my confidence because it lets me know that i could still if i had to I could still do difficult things. It just takes, it takes planning and it takes restraint. Um, and, uh, you need to be careful. So that was, that was 63 when March rolled around <laughs> and you know where I'm heading with this, mm-hmm. we started to, um, read more in the news about what's going, the situation that's happening in, in China, in Wuhan, China. And we actually started to hear about that earlier in the year. And this is something that was a remote you know, it, it doesn't, it, you read about it, but you don't really, you, you can't appreciate it. Right. Cause you're not there. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't impact you. And, right. you know, at the, at the time I was thinking, how is this different from, you know, um, like uh, a SARS epidemic, you know, or, or it's some, something that, that did happen, but was not as serious as what the coronavirus eventually became. Right. So at the time I thought, well, that, that happens from time to time, right? These, these epidemics, but they don't really preach a pandemic level because we never had that before. <laughs> um, so I, so back in my mind, that's what it was. Um, and what I had done was in the, in those 42 weeks, uh, I, I, I had <laughs> be, being, being the person that I am, we, we talked about, you know, this high, hardwired trait. I wanted to, I, I think I like sort of doubled down on my goal. I wanted to hit 100, 100s, but I also wanted to hit all 50 states um, and at least five countries. And that, that, so I, I planned the schedule in that way and sort of it, if it was going to be this big epic effort, why don't we go for it kind of thing. And so I had, I had five countries on my calendar. Italy was one of those countries. And so Italy Tuscany crossing 100 is, is a 100 mile race in Italy that is in, that's in March. And so <laughs> that was all, frustratingly that was all paid for and, and all of this oh. the, the travel and all the, and then and then we're getting reports in in march right beginning it was end of february beginning of march about the about this this uh, situation coronavirus that spread outside of china and now is in certain parts of europe and italy was one of those parts of europe that it had hit so i was looking at my and, and i'm two weeks out from the race and i'm looking at the calendar and i'm like do i take a chance like i don't i don't I don't know. Like, I don't, I, you know, and so, and I, I spoke to some of my friends and they said, well, you can go there, right. Are they restricting you? And I'm like, no, there's no restrictions. It's more like, be careful, <laughs> you know, come at your own risk kind of thing. And, and they said, well, think about it this way. If, if, if you travel there and you get stuck, you might not be able to return home. And I thought, oh my goodness, you're right. Like Italy might let me in to run the race, but the United States might not let me back. So, you know what, I'm, I'm not taking that chance. I'm scratching this from the, from the calendar. And so from that, from that time, I took off all the international races and I was a little bummed out about it, but that's, that was the right thing to do because, you know, I wanted to minimize my risk. Um, the race was canceled anyway. 
<laughs> so that Tuscany crossing, beautiful race, but the situation in Italy was getting a little more serious. So out of social um, uh, uh, health standpoint, they just had to cancel it and they did. Mid-March rolls around and um, I'm running a race and this is number 68. I'm running a race in, in uh, Florida and that one was a road race and I completed it. And after completing it, there was, uh, that's when the lockdowns started uh, in, in the U.S. And there were, you know, several cities that, that had locked down, California, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco. They were, they, they were among the first to lock down. And I remember re- reading the news reports and like, oh, my goodness, like, this is actually happening. And I had no idea that this was happening because I was running a race. <laughs> I, I finished the race and I started to look at, you know, the new, I'm like, what is going on? I, wait, we're locking down? And then, and then there were, there was, there was talk, right. The, the rumors that uh, New York city was the next to get locked down. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to fly home. <laughs> like this is getting, this is like, this is if, if New York city locks down and I can't fly back home or I have to quarantine for two weeks, I might not be able to what's going on. So I flew, I flew to New York right away. And then uh, and New York city lockdown. Um, and so, and so it was a lockdown, but people could still fly. So I, 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 I try to figure out ways where I could, uh, you, you know, still, run the races on my calendar. Now, at this point, the races weren't canceled. And so I figured, okay, the challenge here is to go and actually complete these races. Um, they weren't canceled yet. Uh, so the, the race on the number 69 was something called Flat Top Mesa in Arizona. And I had flown out to that race, but I didn't know if I, if I, if, if, if I should be going to that race. Um, this, was, this was, now we're approaching the end of March. The uh, tensions are high about people traveling to begin with. And they're saying only travel if, you, um, if you're an essential worker or if you absolutely need to, don't travel just for the, for, for the heck of it. And I figured, well, I need to be careful. I need to wear a mask. I need to do hand sanitizer, all this stuff. Um, and, I, and, I, and I flew out to, to that race in Arizona. It was, a, it was a Friday night. Actually, I flew out to Salt Lake City and I had a four hour drive from Salt Lake City to Flat Top Mesa. That was the cheapest execution. Um, and so I'm traveling, you know, driving to the race and um, I'm on the phone with my uh, with my girlfriend saying, you know, like I'm, I'm driving to this race. I'm not really sure. You know, there seems to be pushback from people traveling to begin with. I'm not really sure what I should what I should do. Should I continue going forward? I, I don't know. Um, and and she mentioned, well, let's think about it. What's the risk? The risk is you, you go to this race. Right. And you're an asymptomatic carrier of the coronavirus. And, and now at this time, we didn't have all the information that we do today. And, you know, so you're an asymptomatic carrier and you you interact with some volunteers at the aid stations. Uh, you maybe interact with locals at the hotel and you transmit this asymptomatically, not knowing it. And they are this is a small town to begin with because this is a very remote race, very remote location. They, in turn, take that and spread it to each other. And their hospital system just doesn't have, or they don't have the infrastructure or the ventilators to handle a pandemic. That's the risk. And I thought, you are right. That is the risk. And honestly, that's not, that's something that I can't accept, right? So I'm on the way to the race. I'm an hour away. <laughs> I'm go, so I've already been driving three hours and having this conversation, just talking through it, talking through it. And, and it didn't, I, I wanted to, find what the socially responsible thing to do was and the socially responsible thing to do was to not run the race, even though I was there. Um, so I turned around 
And this was, it was uh, like 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, the race was set to begin at 6 a.m. the following day. Um, I pulled over, I emailed the race director and said, hey, this is the situation. Um, I decided not to do it. It's not the right thing to do. I'm going to, I'm going to drive back. And so, you know, he took, he said, totally understandable. I understand you have a race credit. Whenever you want to use it, you can use it. I'm taking your name off the list. So, okay, great. And I, and I drove back um, three hours to Salt Lake City, flew back to New York. I'm bummed out because now this is Saturday and I'm thinking, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> this is, you know, I didn't run this race. I'm going to lose out on this weekend. I don't, I don't like, is it, is this it? Is the game of fundos over at number 68? And for, you know, for the better part of a day, I, I almost capitulated and I, I almost said, okay, this is it. I can't for, for, I can't control a global pandemic. This is one of those exogenous factors where it's stopping me dead in my tracks, quite literally. And around that same time, the races were getting canceled anyway. You know, I'm looking at my email on this Saturday, everything was happening all at once. No one knew there was, there was still such great uncertainty looking at my phone and at the emails and about on that Saturday, a quarter of the races had either been canceled, postponed, or just, you know, rescheduled for some unknown date. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm comparing this against my game of hundos calendar. And I'm like, okay, well, this one's canceled. That one's canceled. Um, how do, is there another race on the calendar we could fill that in with? And it turns out, you know, and I'm trying to like actively manage this as it's happening. Um, and it was all, it was a fruitless effort because if I did find another race to fill in that slot for the next weekend, it was, it was just canceled. And so I thought, I, I, I think we have to stop it here. And so this was all of Saturday for, for that, for that, for that weekend, that entire Saturday, just sitting down, just trying to rework the problem and then realizing that, that that's not a problem that can be reworked um, with certainty because you, you can rework the problem and then, and then it changes, literally everything changes the next day. So I figured this is it. I can't, you know, like if they're not official races, how could I possibly go forward with the plan? I woke up the next day, Sunday, you know, having yeah, have to think about it. Right. Um, and I figured, no, we can't stop here. We can't possibly stop here. We've gone for 68 weeks. There's no way that we we're stopping this effort after 6,800 miles that we're just stopping. Like, this is not the way to end the game of fundos. We have to figure out a way forward. And so I started to, I looked around my living room as crazy as this sounds, looked around my living room and thought, I just want to measure this out to see how large the perimeter of my living room is. And I measured it out and it was 45 feet um, and a rectangular shape. And I thought, how many, how many <laughs> rotations would I need to do to complete hundred miles? So there's 52, uh, 5,280 feet in a mile, right? Um, and I thought, okay, well, do the math. Uh, so it was a, it was a 45 a foot perimeter, right? You're not exactly following that 45 feet to a T. So you, you have to, you have to account for, um, when you're cornering, you have to account that you're losing, uh, a, a, it was a foot and a quarter of loss when you turned a corner. So it was, it was more like a 40 foot track. Um, and that would take 17,000 rotations to complete. And, um, and so I thought, my God, all right, that's, it's very, so when, when, when you're, when you're running in, in such a short, like a uh, short loop, you're not running, you're at best, you're shuffling quickly. You can't, you cannot gain like the momentum that you do when you're, when you're actually outside, there's none of this going on. It's kind of like, 
your constant turns, constant turns. And I'm like, is this something that I want to do? I don't know. And I had to make a decision soon because I, this, if I didn't com- continue, I would lose that streak. Um, so I figured, so I did the math, I worked it out. And then, and then I just said, you know what, we're doing this. I posted about it. I committed to it. And I said, the game of hundos is not going to end. Uh, we're, you know, when the rule, and I said, I said this as a means of motivation, but not, now it's kind of like become um, uh, something that I think about when I talk about how the game of hundos continues. But I say when the, when the, when the game changes, the rules of the game change, you have to change your, your execution uh, to that game. You, 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 you have to change your own rules for the game. And so my, my changing the execution was going from official races to these um, unofficial uh, solo efforts and you know, I put that, put it down, um, line in the sand. This is it. This is what we're doing. Um, and we're continuing for as long as we need to until official races start back up again. And so that first, that first hundred indoors, it was, it was, I termed it the indoor hundred was very difficult. <laughs> um, I, I had it live streamed for the entire time that it took and it took 60 hours to complete. Um, so I had it on Facebook live. I had a stream going on YouTube. I wanted it to be the effort to be recorded so that there was no um, disagreement on what was going on. Um, I had submitted my uh, me- measurements. Um, everything, everything was recorded. Everything was, uh, was um, uh, tracked. Uh, all the miles were tracked. All the footsteps were tracked because I wanted this to be, uh, you know, as, as close to official as possible. And I completed that first mile. It, t- it took 25 minutes to complete the first mile. And that was 1700 rotations. And I thought, oh my goodness. And this is live stream. So people are looking at this and they're like, you know, they're saying, continue, go, you can do this. And I'm thinking personally to myself, I'm thinking, ah, <laughs> that was mind bending. The first one, um, after 10 miles, it was just like, I can't, oh my goodness. Like, this is going to be a very long day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it was a very, it was very long. Um, and so, one step at a time. That's, that, that's how I took it. And every, every mile I would change direction. So, you know, 1700 uh, turns going in one direction clockwise. I would turn, when I hit mile two, I went counterclockwise to relieve the stress on, I didn't want to have um, uh, just like a, a, a injure my knee, for example, or my right knee, if I keep doing counterclockwise uh, turns, right. So you have to sort of adjust that and change the stress on your, on your musculoskeletal system. So that's what I figured. Okay. Well, you can do these rotations, make sure you're turning, um, every mile or so. And so that's what I did. That took two and a half days. It was a very tough effort to be totally and completely honest. Um, having that live stream and having people watch it and track it and, and give me encouragement along the way was a huge reason why it was successful in the first place. Um, if I was completely and totally on my own with no accountability uh, and nothing, no one's no one there to see that this thing is going on. I don't know that I would have had the same success. Um, so that was the first one. <clears throat> While I was running the hundred in my living room, um, I ordered a treadmill online and I, I got very lucky to do that when I did, because <laughs> after, as, as you know, <laughs> when, 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 the, when the pandemic started, when we enter a second month of pandemic, being you know stuck at home stay at home everyone ordered all the gym equipment there was nothing to get so like you know if you didn't do that up front right away you probably wouldn't get a treadmill for a very long time so i I ordered that and my intention was okay well this first one is going to be as painful as it sounds and ridiculous as it sounds in my living room 
the subsequent ones are going to be on treadmill um, when I get it. So, so completed the living room run. The treadmill came uh, right after I finished that run. I put the treadmill together, um, and I and the, the following weekend I ran it on on treadmill. And I thought in my mind that running on a treadmill 100 miles is going to be an easy effort, right? All you're really doing is just keeping up with this moving belt. How difficult can it be? There's no variation in terrain, no variation in weather. You have all the certainty in the world. You have access to your fridge, the bathroom. This is going to be a piece of cake. That's what I thought. The treadmill run is one of the hardest mentally. It's just, it's mind boggling. There's nothing to do. <laughs> so so I, I, I thought, oh my God, we need to exit this pandemic fast because I don't know how many more weeks I can do of this thing. <laughs> um, it was for 10 weeks. So and we were, New York City was locked down until uh, after Memorial Day. So June 1st was when those lockdown restrictions started easing, right? And so we started this um, at the end of March and it took until the beginning of June before I was outside of my apartment running running outside again. Um, and even then, so I, did, I wanted to make it a, a, around 10, right? So, so 10 weeks of running, 100 mile races, right, uh, in my apartment. That's what I wanted to do to make a thousand miles in my living room. Um, and I, I just want to say this up front because this is a question that everyone asks is what did your downstairs neighbors think? Um, they were out of town. So <laughs> they, 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 they weren't there. You know, I, I tried, I tried to make the effort as quiet as possible. I tried to put dampeners underneath my carpets to make sure that there wasn't, you didn't hear me actually scurrying around. Um, but they, 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 they were out of town. Um, roughly 50% of my building, half the residents had, had temporarily located uh, to somewhere outside of the city. Um, and so that was that. That was 10 weeks of running. And so roughly 1,000 miles in my living room, all live streamed. And this is about 500 hours of video recording that I still have um, for that effort. When the restrictions were lifted uh, and I felt you know, we still had a pandemic going on. There were still no races going on. Everything was canceled. But I figured, okay, now we're at least, we know more about how to uh, handle and interact, you know, in society, you know, wear the mask and, 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 and hands and maintain your distance. Like all of these rules, we have these rules. Um, I can, I can, I can venture outside and start to run races, races, start to run outside again. Um, and those first few efforts, June and half of July, were all um, on on my own efforts again. Uh, I had I had friends friends to to come and support me for those weekends um, where I was running those those um, uh, where I was running those 100 mile runs. And so they were in New Jersey, they were in Colorado, um, they were in Delaware. And so it was it, you know I I figured well I still have this goal of running 50 states. I may as well you know Delaware for example wasn't the race that was supposed to happen in Delaware, but we, but my, my friend, my crew member and I, we, uh, we constructed 100 mile course point to point, um, from Rehoboth beach, was it Rehoboth beach, Rehoboth beach to uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And so, you know, that was a very long day, but it was, it was very fun adventure. Right. Um, then, uh, official races started to pick up again in mid July. And so that, that happened around, Gosh, uh, mid, now we're in our mid 80s. I think it was number 87 um, in the game of hundos where we started having official races again. And that was just I I, I was so excited <laughs> that we had. Oh, my God, because now I didn't have to 
think about it. I didn't have to plan it. I didn't have to plan logistics around it. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going back to official racing. This is, this is great. You don't have to do your on your own efforts anymore. Fantastic. Let's go. But it's different. It's it, the, you know, the race scene is not the same as it was pre pandemic. And what I mean by that is when you have an ultra marathon and you know you have a hundred mile run you have what's called aid stations that runners run to right and they run to these aid stations every five roughly five to eight miles um you might have another station where there's an opportunity to refill uh, get hydration get your uh, food fuel up um if you have a drop bag there with some of like new sneakers or you know new clothing you can change out of that that's the aid station and you run to the aid station and that, you know, the expectation is once I get there, I get to, you know, like have a little bit of a break and refuel so I can continue on the next five or eight mile stretch. Pre-pandemic, that was all fine and dandy. It was like a big party. Everyone, you know, volunteers were there, runners were there who were taking a break. And it's kind of like everyone caught up and were, it was like a bit of a big social event for that area, right? Uh, during the pandemic, that wasn't the case. Everyone, you know, maintained six feet. Um, you, uh, there were new rules around how to, you know, get food at the aid station. You couldn't any longer, you couldn't, um, walk up to it and refill your own bottle or grab whatever nutrition. You couldn't do that. You, um, you had to hand your bottle over to a volunteer. It needed to be, um, you need to sanitize, uh, everyone's needs need to wear gloves. Um, and understandably, this is how you make the race safe. So I totally everyone, you know, I, I understood everyone understood, um, you, you had to wait in line, but everyone separated six feet apart. It was a very, it wasn't the social, you know, event that it, that it used to be pre-pandemic, but also it took much longer to get what you needed. Um, and for someone who's been running for, you know, at that point, 87 weeks of running hundred mile races, I needed all the time that I could get. <laughs> so, so getting to an aid station and having to wait an additional, you know, five minutes to get everything you needed really added on to the amount of time in the race. So I figured, oh my goodness. This, I have to recalculate how long it's going to take to get to, you know, from mile 26 to 34, because I spent eight minutes at the aid station that I didn't plan on spending. Um, so it was just reworking the problem. But um, after that point, it was, uh, it wasn't, it, I, it's, it's never really smooth sailing. Uh, but once the official races were back on, it, 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 it had gotten, and we got in, when we got to the home stretch, the final 10, that was it. There were, there was, there, you know, there was no stopping. There was no stopping me. I had friends come out to, um, on a number of those final races. Uh, and I had planned the final race to be in New York city, um, to be a 100 mile course in Manhattan. Uh, well, half of it in Manhattan and half in, in, uh, Brooklyn and Queens, but the entire 100 miles in, in New York city. And I wanted to make it special. I wanted to dedicate that final race to my brother. Um, so, you know, and, and to the project itself. So if you look at the race course, if you, if you look at the map for the race course for that final 100, you'll notice um, that I, I use the um, Manhattan streets, the Manhattan grid as sort of a uh, paper to write on. And I, and I wrote, wrote, <laughs> I ran on the streets to spell out game of hundos on the east side of Manhattan. Um, and then we continued the run uh, west. And on the west side of Manhattan, I ran, uh, I wrote run son run. And that was a special message that my brother had wrote to me when he gifted me a pair of sneakers back in 2010. So that was a message that had always stuck with me that run son run. Um, and I figured, okay, what better way to dedicate this to my brother than to spell out that message in Manhattan. And that's what I did. Unbelievable, man. 
I, I mean, in, in so many ways for, for you to, to do this and to keep going. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, just, just hearing you talk about, you know, being in the car on your way from, you know, Salt Lake City to Mesa and, and literally turning around and, and having to go all the way back home to New York in the midst of this pandemic, um, you know, I would think that 99 out of 100 people would just, you know, say that's it. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, you you thought the same thing and you 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 did a great job of explaining it. But just the 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 one thing of of the many things that that you know your story makes me think about is just mental toughness, you know, and being able to persevere uh, and adapt, uh, adapting uh, in the face of, of this adversity that you encounter to still pursue this, as you put it, and it's very appropriate, this very outsized goal. I, I mean, when you reflect back on the entire experience, um, you know, the, from how it started to the pandemic, to, to finishing it the way that you did, um, you know, and you're right, very appropriately in, in your hometown of New York City. Um, you know, what What comes to mind for you? I mean, what did you learn about yourself? What are you most proud of? I, I'm sure these are questions you've, you've gotten before, but but what are the things that are still foremost in your mind, Michael? Right. That's a very good question. I, I think, so when I finished it, uh, the, the, the most common question that I received was, uh, so what's next? And <laughs> I, and I thought, and I understand, I completely understand you do this thing. Um, now the question is, oh my God, how can you possibly outdo this? Or what's the next, you know, goal that could possibly, you know, I, I, I didn't think that way, but I, I, I understand where people were coming from with that question. So um, I didn't have anything planned. And I told them, you know, my response to that was, well, I'll, exactly what's next is uh, thinking about what had just happened the last 100 weeks and reflecting to see where, where I, I had been, right? And where that puts me now. And so, um, you know, I, from the start, I didn't, I didn't do this as, um, I, didn't, I didn't start it as, like I was going to, I wanted to set a record. I wanted to do this. I wanted to run 100. I didn't do that. Like, that, wasn't, that wasn't my motivation for doing that in the first place. My motivation was as a personal challenge, can I do two? That was, that, that was my very personal motivation. And then that started to change as I continued on and, you know, with three and four and eventually 100. Um, and while you're in it, while you're doing it, your, your focus is, is not on, the journey, right? Maybe it is, but that's not your total focus is on, you know, logistics, execution. How do I be successful? How do I tie work with this? You know, like, how do I, how do I make the, um, how do I get from Tennessee back to New York to Hawaii? Right? Like, how do I, how do I execute that leg? That, that's your focus. And so my, I wasn't, I didn't have time to think about the journey. I, the only thing I really had time for was how do I execute the journey? <laughs> and so I, and so when I crossed that finish line um, and the finish line, uh, was in front of my house. It was actually really, that's the way it was planned. It was really cool. Um, I, I, you know, once I crossed that finish line, don't jump into something arbitrarily because you feel pressure to continue doing something like this. Like that wasn't my goal at all. Um, I wanted to take the time to figure out where I was, why did I do it? Right. Like what was the, what was the real purpose of doing this thing? And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have uh, a really strong, or I didn't know the answer, I should say. I didn't really understand and know the answer after crossing the finish line. I needed to take time to think about it, you know? And um, that was the main reason why I took time off this year. Uh, I didn't want to just jump into something um, 
and start running hundreds again or start a new challenge. No, I want, I wanted to understand, okay, what was this for really? You know, like I high level on the surface, I know, you know, I have these reasons for doing what I did. Did I, you know, dedicate this to my brother. I go out, you know, he had instilled his life message is now imprinted on me, right? To go and live your life while you can. So that's big motivation for, for doing those things. But I wanted to understand deeper than that, where is this coming from? You know, like what, 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 what is this? So I take in the last couple of months to, um, or the first few months of this year, I should say to, to really think about that, to write about it, um, to write about the experience. And, and that's what, to me, what it means is it's, it is a very big personal challenge for myself. Um, you know, I have very personal reasons that we discuss for doing this thing. And, that's going to be the same for everyone who steps into the ultra marathon or just any arena, but running, for example, um, it was very personal for me. Right. And the questions that I received today come from people who preface their question with, okay, I, you know, this pales in comparison to what you did, but like, I, I just want some advice on how to run my first marathon. And then, you know, I preface my answer with, no, 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 it doesn't matter if it pales in comparison. Don't compare your effort with, with mine. Yours is a very personal one. So running 100, uh, sorry, one, run, running a marathon distance, 26.2, is a very big deal. So, you know, I tried, to, I tried to explain, okay, well, first of all, 100 miles is 100 miles. 26 miles is 26 miles. That's still a very much a big deal. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and so I, I just had this conversation with someone this past weekend who um, wanted advice on how to run their first long distance race, which was a marathon coming up in November. Um, and, but she was very like, uh, she didn't know if she should ask me because it didn't, it didn't compare at all to what I had done. And I said, no, well, this is all, it, you, it, it's all numbers in the end, right? So the distances don't matter. It's, it's the reasons why we were, why we're doing it. Right. I can tell you personally, I ran my first marathon for my brother at the time. That was a very big effort for me that I didn't think I can do. Um, and, you know, you have a very personal reason for doing your first marathon. And at this time, it might be something you feel that you can't do until, of course, you actually do it. <laughs> so it's very, the journey is different for everyone, right? Um, and the numbers are arbitrary, right? Like, you know, at the end of it, the game of Hondos was 10,000 miles. Um, it's a very personal journey that I'm still working through and trying to, fit, you know, trying to piece together the, the overall narrative, the overall arc, what was it for kind of thing. Um, but it was just that, you know, a, a, a personal journey and it wasn't impossible. Right. And so like I had, I had done this, started out to see if I could do two of these and then it, it morphed into what it eventually morphed into. But at the end of it, I found out that this is not an impossible thing. If people want to do something similar to this, something different, they can totally do that. I'm not, I'm not a professional runner. I'm not an elite athlete. I'm just, I'm a regular person. And if I can do this thing or something like this, so can everyone else or so can anyone else. They can set a goal that they think they can't possibly do, work on it and work towards completion. And I truly believe that. Yeah, you, you kind of answered my question, which was, you know, like what 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 lesson do you hope that people would, would take away from from hearing your story? So instead, because I feel like you just you just answered it and, and feel free to add on to that if you want to. But instead, um, my, my last question for you is this. You know, what do you think your brother would say about this project, about <laughs> this accomplishment, Michael? 
I, I, uh, I love that question. <laughs> Cause I know exactly what you would say at the end of it, you know, crossing that finish line. Um, he would say, I, I told you, you would love it <laughs> because that was, that was, that was part of the, the, the disagreement, right. In philosophy that we had growing up was, you know, I told him, bro, you have to travel less and save your money. Why are you, why are you going, where are you going now? <laughs> right. And then he would tell me, you need to, you need to stop working so much and go and like, do these things or like do one of these things or just once travel outside of the country, you would, you would love it. <laughs> and, uh, and he's totally right. He is completely 100% right. And so, you know, there's, there's, um, I regret not doing this kind of thing earlier in life, but I'm grateful that I had that eye-opening experience, you know, that I had. And so, and so his message to me that he'd been telling me all of my twenties uh, is something that I live by now, right. To go and live while you can. And, and he would tell me, I, I knew he would like it. <laughs> man. Oh man. Un- unbelievable story. Um, Appreciate you sharing it all with us. Um, it is just it's been a privilege for uh, for me to to get to to, to hear about it and, and you know talk with you and just find out you know how you how you did this, but also you know just like what it what it took um, and what you learned about yourself. And I think your message is just it's a great one. You know, it's like and you you mentioned it earlier. It's like you're an ordinary guy. I mean, you are not like this superhero. Although I'm sure so many people do look at you now um, as as such and justifiably so. I mean, you, you deserve all of the, uh, all of the trappings that come with your status as the, the guy who did this. Um, uh, but, but I, I think it's just, it's a great message. You know, that if you set a goal, um, and you're, and you're, you know, and you're persistent and you're mentally tough and you, and you can, you know, adapt as you did. I mean, it didn't, like you said, it didn't happen as scripted, but, but you did it. Um, then, right. then you can accomplish anything. Um, and, and I think that's just a wonderful message, uh, to, to share. And, and, um, we appreciate you sharing that with us, Michael. Um, I, I appreciate you having me on here to tell that message. Thank you, Justin. To make sure you never miss an episode of Power Forward, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Power Forward.